0: have this weird little squiggly thing kind of at the end, and what happens is when somebody asks a question, right, it typically, um, there's an use of a response from you guys, so I'll I'll kind of give you an example. Um, If I were to say, what's your favorite ice cream, right, you could say chocolate or vanilla or if you're really bold, like chocolate chip cookie dough, right, you get it, right, here's another one. Um, If I had to say how old you are, you could say I'm 29 years old. I would say, weren't you 29 last year? And you would say, shut your mouth, right? Don't second guess me. Some of you guys would say, I don't know, how old do you think I am? And I would say, that's why I asked you how old you were, because I don't know. So don't come back to me with another question, right? So let's try this again. Are you guys ready to dig in? Yeah! All right. We're in Colossians still, page 1,166. If this is your first time today, um, we consider it a privilege that you chose to be with us. Um, If you don't, and even if it's not your first time, if you don't have a Bible at home, please take one of ours. Um, This is our gift to you guys. Um, Use it, mark in it, use your highlighter and your pen and kind of dig into the Word that way. Um, We're going to be on page 1,166. If you don't want to open up your Bible, if you're that tired, then you can just look at the screen. It will be on the screen. Let's do it. Colossians 2, we're going to do 1 through 15 today. So we have a lot to cover, um, a lot of topics. So we gotta, we're going to have to dig in and we're going to have to dig in fast. So you might have to take notes to keep up and then process it this week. And if you have any questions, you can come back and ask us later. So here we go. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea, for all who have not met me personally My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in the spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him, rooted and built up in strength in him, strengthened in your faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. In verse 8... See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So here's what verse 1, it says, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you. And for those who are at Laodicea, what Paul is saying, listen, I want you to know what I've put myself through. And that word struggling, it kind of, the imagery there is taking it back to the games, right? This is like our Olympics Like, I want you to know what I put my body through. I want you to know how hard I've trained. I want you to know what I've done and what I've laid on the line for you. And not so that my attention and not so that your attention can be drawn to who I am, right? And we say that all the time. Like in verse 1, he says, listen, I am a servant of the church. I've given myself up. God is my slave. I've submitted myself fully to him. So, And he's also the one that says, I don't want that I might not increase but that Christ might increase, so I need to be decreased. I'm not doing these things, I'm not letting you know how much I've done for you so that you can boast on me, that attention will be drawn to me. He goes on to say, listen, um, I'm doing this so that your attention can be on him. I'm just letting you know that I'm in your corner and I'm struggling for you. It also kind of reminds us of that word afflictions that we talked about last week. And this is the word affliction, I didn't get to touch on it last week. The word affliction, it talks about a heavy weight. there used to be people that actually—I um, think it was in England—and I don't know the exact date, but um, when you would do certain criminals would actually how they would actually kill the criminals is continue to—they um, would stretch him out on a board and they would continue to pack and stack weights on his chest, right? So that's the word of afflictions to the point where you can't breathe anymore, and they would continue to stack and continue to stack slowly right? Not quickly. They're not killing you quickly. They're doing it slowly. So that's the afflictions, that there's so much weight on you that you can't breathe, that you're taking on all this weight. That's the affliction. That's the struggle. And eventually, it would end your life, right? And some people would just want to do it quickly, and they would actually lay you down on the same thing, and they would get an elephant. They'd ride an elephant. I don't know you how raw well you ride an elephant, but they did. And they would just have the elephant step on your chest and That's the word afflictions. It's just this weight we carry. So that's what Paul's saying. I carry this weight and it's hard for me. And I'm letting you know how hard I've struggled for you. Two, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. It's this idea of, and I know guys will really resonate with this. It's this idea of quilting, right? All the guys in here quilt. You made your own personal quilt hung it up on the, on the wall. Some of you guys have. It's, it's an amazing art. I can't pull it off. I can barely sew, right? I can do a button. It won't be the same color string, right? I don't know what they call it, yarn, string. It won't look the same as all the other buttons, but it'll be on there, right? Even if I have to glue it too, it'll be, it'll be on there. What he's saying is, listen, we have to knit ourselves together. If you want to be encouraged, that's why we have church. That's why we do this Right? We do this, so this is one avenue for us to connect with God, but this is also an avenue for you to be connected to each other and to be built up and to be able to protect the truth of the gospel so there's not other things that are leaking in. right? And You can't just come here, and if you call an atrium your home, you just come in and say, yeah, I go to atrium, but if you don't know the people who are sitting beside you and behind you and in front of you, then you're just come into church, and I remember asking a question a few months ago, when was the last time that you invited somebody over to dinner from church that was maybe a different um, race or had a different background or just didn't look like you or talk like you or speak like you or think like you? When was the last time you invited somebody over to your house for dinner? And I remember getting a lot of heads shaking no, and I wonder if anything has changed yet. You know, we have to come here. We are here to encourage each other, to be united in love. If we don't know each other, we're doing ourselves a Huge disservice. If we're only putting ourselves around people who look like us and think like us and talk like us, then we're like spiritual cowards, (laughs) right? Because there's not much, there's not much, I don't know, that doesn't stretch you, that doesn't grow you. If you're only around the people that do those, then you'll always be who you are, and you'll never be stretched, you'll never be challenged. Take this week, next week, look at somebody after church gets over, find somebody in this room and say, hey, I don't know you, I know your name, sort of, I think. I might be calling you by the wrong name even, but I want to invite you over to my house for dinner, and I want to get to know who you are. Don't act like you've never called anybody the wrong name or just said, what's up, when you can't think of it. In verse 4, and I want you to know, too, This is Colossians has been a challenge for me be- because I'm used to sermons where I can package everything up really nice and neat for you and give you a couple of things to walk away with and say, hey, I can walk away. And if you have felt the tension like, I don't know, I'm walking through Colossians and I haven't just taken anything away. Like, he's not giving me those chunks to live by. I want you to think of this as just a long conversation. Right? So we have another five or six weeks in this conversation. And there's going to be times in this conversation where I say a lot of good things. Maybe, hopefully, um, something just happens to come out. And there are other times where it's just speaking the text. So if you felt the tension of... I'm just, it's not pulling it all together. That's because it's not being pulled all together. So I want you to know that I feel attention too. So verse four, I tell you all these things, right? I tell you about the way I've struggled. I tell you about being rooted or about um, coming together and encouraging each other so we understand who Christ is, um, who all the, so if we need knowledge, if we need wisdom, it's from Christ. It's not from just other people, but it's coming through Christ. In verse four, he says, I tell you all these things, so that may, no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. And we live in this world, and this is again, this is what Paul's saying. Maybe we talked about syncretism, pulling from other religions and meshing it into Christianity and just living life as Christianity, and it's not. And Paul's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You're doing things that are outside of the gospel. And this is what he's touching on it again. But we've gotten to this point, and I've noticed, even in my own life, that we are so sensitive towards other people. That we, that like it's are afraid to approach people, you know. I have, um, I have friends that are Muslim. I have friends that are um, even different religions. And I'm gonna, and I don't usually just blast religions, um, but I want I want to point things out to you this morning, um, so you know what false teaching is, and so you know that because what everyone says right now. Listen, we all worship the same God. We all worship the same God. We're just on a different journey. And when you hear somebody say that. That's, it makes us feel good because then we don't have to like, it just, it makes everybody safe in the room. But I'm telling you, we're not all on the same journey, right? You can't worship the same God. If somebody says, listen, I worship the same God as you, I just don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died on the cross. And I'm like, that's what I'm hanging my hat on. If it's not for the cross, then I have nothing, right? No, you don't worship the same God for me because Jesus says, nobody gets through the Father unless they come through me. But... It's, it's like we've gotten so sensitive that we can't even approach people. But are we okay with people, like we just kind of say, okay, you're right, you're on your journey Am my mind. Who am I to say you? you are? Because in verse one, it says we have been qualified to speak the truth. God has qualified you. You have the right. If you're okay with them just walking straight into hell, then that's fine. Walk away and keep living life. But if you're not, then you have to approach him, no, you're not, that's not the truth. You can't, you can't worship the same God because this is what my God is saying. This is what the Bible is telling me. And I'm not saying be the bullhorn guy, right, telling a burn repent now or burn in hell. I don't like the bullhorn guy, right? And I'm giving everybody here in permission, right? Um, I don't advocate violence, but if you see the bullhorn guy, just punch him in his throat, right? <laughs> just do that. Then he can't talk, and then um, just wrap him in a bag and put him in the back of a trunk and drop him off somewhere else, right? Listen, Even Mormonism says, I worship the same God. We're just on a different journey. But did you know that they believe that Adam was God and Eve was one of his wives and Jesus was a polygamist, that God is actually in heaven in human form, in flesh and bone form, actually having sexual intercourse with other angels in heaven and populating heaven? Does that sound like like the same gospel that we read about? That doesn't even make sense. Right? But they're not going to tell you that up front because that's not a fine-sounding argument. Right? If they say, hey, did you know that Jesus is actually an alien, right? or God's actually an alien? There's not just one God. There's millions of God. That's how he's omnipresent. There's just a bunch of them. It's like multiplicity. He's just all over the place. That's how he can be everywhere. Right? If they came out with that, you're like, whatever you're smoking, just keep it to yourself. I don't want any of that. Right? But they don't come out with that. It's just they, people ease in. I'm telling you, there's people around you, and some of you guys have even been deceived by other churches that have spoke truth to you, and they're calling it truth, and it goes against everything that the gospel tells us. Everything. They tell you that you have to do something to earn your right before God. That your works get you to heaven. That if you had more faith, you wouldn't be afflicted by what you're afflicting. Right? And we all know that's Bullcrap. All right, let's move on. I can get off that soapbox. Yeah. Verse five, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So, just, so then, just as you receive Christ, Jesus is Lord, continue in him, rooted and building up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Right, verse eight kind of tags on to verse four. Um, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, in the basic principles of this world, rather than Christ. But he listen. It's because with those religions, even Jehovah Witness or Mormonism, if somebody creates a religion in other books of the Bible after the books of the Bible were already presented and already canonized, then statistically, it's probably not true. I'm guessing, right? Because both of those, Mormonism and Jehovah Witness, said if you don't read the Bible with these other books, then neither are inspired. But I know that the Bible tells me that. The books of the Bible are God breathed and not human breathed, right? We can't, we can't lean on human tradition. We got to get away from that. And here's how, right? So how do we how do we know that we're keeping the truth? How do we know that all these things are happening? Verse five and six tell us um, for I am absent with you in body, I present to see, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are, and how firm your faith in Christ is. Orderly means Disciplines, right? What did we deal with before this sermon series? Spiritual disciplines. So how are your spiritual disciplines going? How's your fasting going? How's your meditation? How's your study? How's your your submission? How's your service? How are those things? If those things aren't changing, then you're not changing. If you're the same person now that you were before the spiritual disciplines, if you're doing the same exact things, then you haven't changed. You're in the same spot. And if you're wondering why your life isn't what you thought it should be, it's because you're living the same way. Right? If you don't know if you're, if you're disciplined or not, ask your friends. They'll let you know. Right? They'll know. They'll let you know where you're missing it. They're telling other people anyway how screwed up you are. You might as well just ask them to tell you. Right? You know that's true. Verse 7-2, rooted, right? Um, stay rooted in him, build up in him, strengthen in the faith as you were taught. Like what Paul is saying is, listen, <laughs> we've gone over this before. You've heard this message before. You were taught the truth. Like stop buying into all these other things, right? And overflow with thankfulness. Some of us are just really grumpy people, and I don't get it. Do you, do you have a grumpy friend? You don't have to point because they might be in the room. Are you grumpy? probably. Some of us act like, like when I tell Harrison, anytime he does chores, he'll get money. I and mean, not like $5, he gets like a dollar. Like you can earn a dollar, right? And to a five-year-old, that dollar is a lot. Um, but he's gotten to this point where he's, he's like, daddy, so when are we going to go to the dollar store? Right? He asked me to go to the dollar store all the time, right? And he knows the difference. He's like, I don't want to go to dollar general because they have things that aren't even a dollar. I don't know why they call it dollar general. I want to go to Dollar Tree where everything's a dollar. I'm like, we're not, I didn't even know that was true until I went. I'm like. That's, that's false advertising. Just because it says Dollar General, you can't sell something for $12. That's not why I came in here, right? Because the space doesn't even look that good. How are you going to sell something for $12? Dollar Tree. So he's like, I want to go Dollar Tree. I can get a dollar. I'm like, you don't, right? We're not going to Dollar. And he would ask me over and I'm like, listen, Harrison, Stop. We're not going, right? And he stomps away. He's like, but I have nothing to play with. I'm like, really? You have nothing to play with? So what did I trip over in the playroom, right? What did I trip over in my bedroom and in the basement and in the living room and in your bedroom and outside when I'm mowing the grass? I'm getting smacked by little men as I'm running over and they're beating me in the shins. What is all that nothing to play with, right? If that's nothing to play with, let's just package it up, send it to Goodwill, and somebody else can play with something of your nothing to play with, right? Like some of us thought that like the first time we got our smartphone, the iPhone, like we just looked at it. Like we ignored everybody in our life, right? It's like the first time the boy gets a girlfriend, like none of his boyfriends matter, or his friends that are boys matter anymore. You're just like, just there like, ah, oh, I'm in such bliss, right? Look what I can do, right? And it's this is amazing. I can swipe and I can add and I can even put the apps in boxes and I can organize my apps. That is so amazing. But then we're grumpy when the iPhone when it won't even load quick enough, right? Like you got to the point you're like, it's, I'm, just, I'm just grumpy. Just, we just get really grumpy. I thought it was supposed to be the end of all your joy and you were just supposed to be com- like it completed you, right? But your iPhone didn't and you're still grumpy, right? Some of us are just grumpy like we, the fact that like I'm grumpy right now because I have two cars and only one works, Right? I walk around, I'm like I'm I'm I gotta re- redo my whole schedule because I only got one car that works, but I have a car. Like, what am I grumpy about, right? Some of us are like, we're grumpy that we actually got to go out to eat for dinner, but we're grumpy because it took 45 minutes to get our food. So what? You got to eat dinner that some people can't even go out to dinner for, and you're like, I'm not gonna tip her. She can fill up my water. What, why are we so, we are just grumpy people. Then raise your hand and ask for water. Don't sit there all bitter and mad, ask for water stop being grumpy, right? Like, be thankful. Can we try that this week? Nobody said, yeah. Okay, that's cool. You can be grumpy. It's fine. All right. So like we talked about, there's a couple themes, right? The main theme, themes, two themes in Colossians is syncretism, pulling from other religions and meshing it in Christianity. And the other one is um, the law, right? Not obeying the law. Um, And letting, um, just false teaching. So syncretism and false teaching and heresy leaking in. But there's also this underlying theme that I think should also be (laughs) making sure we're touching on it. It's this part where God, I mean, Paul rips you, right? Continues to rip us. But then there's always this piece where he's reconciling us with Christ. Right. So he's ripping us here, but then he's reconciling with Christ. And so we're about to move on to the reconciling. And because Paul's saying, listen, all this false teaching, all these things, you got to be rooted up, be disciplined, know the truth, get together, talk about the truth, hold on to the truth. Don't let people, don't let things come into the church. Right. And we, and this church will protect you guys also. Like we're not going to let somebody lead a Bible study that is teaching things that go directly against us That what we're saying, right? So if they're saying like, yeah, God is an alien, someone coming, hey, um, somebody said in a small group or in Bible study that God was an alien, is that true? I'm like, "Mm, no, that doesn't make sense. Let me go talk to the person, right? And if they say, you know, that's just what I believe, then I will gladly ask them to remove themselves um, either from that group or from the church, right? So what we can't have is we can't be okay with like, ah, they're just working things out, Right? We, we, we can't just let people work things out because people's spiritual lives hang in the balance of us working things out. We have to know what the truth is. We have to study God's word. All right, I can hang out on that soapbox for a long time, so let me move on. All right. For in Christ, verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. He's saying that again. Listen, Christ rules, Christ reigns. In him you were also circumcised in putting off the spiritual nature, not with circumcision done by hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith in the power of God. What he's saying, he's speaking directly to the Jews. Listen. I know you think your circumcision saved you, but it doesn't. I, think, I know you think that being born a Jew saved you, but it doesn't. And what he's saying to us, I know you think your baptism has saved you. It doesn't. I know you think that your membership in the church saves you. It doesn't. You can walk away from your faith. And I know some churches say, once you're saved, you're always saved. Once you get baptized, it's good. But I'm telling you, you can't just be saved and always be saved. You can't just be baptized and continue to beat your wife and continue to do things that go directly against where the gospel is taking you and think things are okay. Things are not okay. And I know that's not fun to hear. You can walk away. You can't say just because I'm baptized, but he's getting into the Jew's face again right here. Listen, I'm letting you know, because what they used to call the Gentiles, um, they used to call them the uncircumcision. How would you like that as your title, right? Hey, there's the group, they're the uncircumcision. Because it's not even a fun word to say anyway, right? It's kind of weird to even preach about it, right? Like, hey, we're the cool ones, there's the uncircumcision ones. And what the circumcision is, is cutting off the flesh. And what God is saying is, listen, Some of you go, this is a circum. I need you to do a circumcision, not with hands, right? I need you to do a circumcision of the heart. All your flesh, all the things that are holding you back, all those things that are dividing you from me, you have to cut those off because your baptism doesn't save you. You need to wake up. It doesn't, right? My grace upon you because you have faith. Your faith saves you alone, your faith. But the only reason we have faith is what? Because of the grace that God gave us to even have faith in the first place. So we may not boast in who we are. He just wants your hearts, and he wants you, like, in a real way, like, doing whatever it takes. Like, Paul saying, listen, I've struggled for you. I have afflicted. I have put myself through it. I want you to know that when you worship me, it has nothing to do with just because you thought you were baptized, you can show up and just say, hey, and that you're just hanging out. I want you to know, and I want to know that you love me and that you know who I am. There's a woman in Mark 14, and there's a situation where Jesus is preaching, and Jesus is telling everybody who he is and he's walking through the crowds. And there's just thousands of people, so he's walking through. And there's this moment that as he's walking, he, he just stops. And somebody said, well, what's wrong? He's like, somebody touched me. And they're like, well, a lot, there's like a thousand people. A lot of people touch you. I saw some guy just pat you on the butt and say, sweet miracle, Jesus. Keep it going. Good game. Keep going on. I mean, there's a lot of people. Some people may be smacking you in the head because they don't agree with what you're saying. Some people touch you because they just want you to heal them. But he's like, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me um, in a different way. Somebody didn't just put their hand on my shoulder. Somebody touched me, and I felt something happen from within me. I felt something come from me. Like power came from who I am and it came out and into somebody else. There's a, that's a different kind of touch than just touching me on the shoulder saying, I need something from you. And he scans the audience until he finds this woman and he knows when he sees her that she's the one. And what he meant when he said, listen, <laughs> your faith is like she was healed by touching his cloak. And what he's saying is, listen, all these people know who I am, but she believes who I am. Like she touched me, and when she touched me, she's saying, listen, I know that you are the son of God and that you can change my circumstance, and I believe whenever you are and everything that you say, I am on my knees before you and I'm giving my life to you because I believe in deeply that you are the son of God, not just, hey, can I touch your shoulder so you can change my life? No, what she's saying is, I know who you are. She was healed. With Jesus could have kept on walking and she would have been fine. But he wanted everyone there to know, listen, you want to have faith? Look at her. Look at her. When you were dead in your sins, verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, when you were unwilling to change, when you were unwilling to cut the flesh from your lives, when you were hostile towards God and mad at him for your situation, even though that you were stuck in the cul-de-sac of insanity and just keeping life the way you kept living life, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins in that moment. Having canceled the written code, the law that you were under, you are no longer under. He wrote the check for your sins. He's saying, listen, I know you're under this law. I'm actually going to pay for that. So you aren't under that anymore. You're under grace. You're under me. And if you want to get to God, if you want to have the fullness of God, if you want to have the wisdom and the knowledge, you want to have a life that makes sense, cut away from circumcise your heart, cut the flesh away that's holding you back. It's not what you do that saves you. Your faith saves you, but I give you the grace for you to have faith. My, Christ, my son on the cross saved and I want you to know right now, I grew up believing that baptism was my salvation. That is not the truth. Christ on the cross is our salvation. Now I'm not saying baptism is wrong. Baptism is also a really important piece, but it doesn't save you. It doesn't keep on saving you. Having canceled the written code without its regulations, that was against us, and that stood in opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Some of us are still living like the Israelites. Some of us are really ungrateful and really grumpy, and we're still living like the Israelites. Listen, God, I know you saved me. Right, I know you brought me out of captivity and out of slavery that I begged for you and prayed for you for years, but I don't like the situation you have me in right now. I don't wanna walk in the desert. I don't wanna have to go through these things. Some of us just keep living like slaves and keep running back to what feels normal. And your heart is proof of that, that you're still sad, that you're still broken that you are still really lonely. He canceled. You are not a slave anymore. We don't have to live like that. We're not under that captivity. You might not like your situation. Paul just tells you to get over it. (laughs) Suck it up. In having disarmed the powers and authorities, he's saying it again. He wants you to know who he is. He made a public spectacle of them. He mocked them. They thought they were mocking him. If you're the king of the Jews, take yourself off the cross. If you have the authority, bring the angels down and save you and have them remove you from this cross. But he was mocking them because he defeated death. He brought us out of darkness into light. And he could just stand there and let them crucify him, not say a word like a sheep to be slaughtered, knowing what the outcome was, knowing that he was saving humanity. You have a Christ who loves you deeply and just wants you to be disciplined and wants you to stand firm in the faith. And I want you to know right now that even if you don't have the ability, right, to come to Christ and to save yourselves, here's a good thing. You'll never have the ability, that's why he died on the cross for you, to give you peace, to give you a connection with him. Nothing that you can do will save you. Christ alone on the cross. Now I know your situation right now seems bleak. I know there's things in your life right now that are frustrating. And I'm sorry that you have to go this, but I'm I know that it's building you into a stronger individual. That you're bleeding for a reason. Christ bled for a reason. He bled on the cross. And during this song, you can just come up and take communion however you like. You can rip a piece off and d- Dump it in the juice, not dump it in the juice, but you should. Don't dump the juice over the bread, right? And there won't be any juice left. Take the piece of bread and submerge it into the juice. You can take it there. You can take it back to your seat. But just remember what he did on the cross. Remember that you have a Christ who loves you enough to nail it, right? He has mocked everything. You're going to have things that oppose him and oppose you. But he's like, listen, the battle's won. Stop living like a slave. <laughs> I pulled you out of captivity. this is a chance, too, for you to um, yield your heart and give financially to him. And because he tells that, I can tell where your heart is by where you spend your money and where you invest, right? And he's asking you to invest into his church, right? Not into me, but into his church. So during the song, receive a sacrifice and give a sacrifice. Let me pray. God, you are good. I thank you um, for what you're trying to show us.